Hello and welcome to Not The Top 20 Podcasts, mid-season review of League One. What we're doing this Christmas is taking a look back at the first half of the season, rating each team out of 10 for what we've seen so far, talking about some of the things we like or don't like about what we've seen this season from each individual team, and then a prediction of sorts, whether they will finish higher, lower, or in the same position that they currently find themselves. As a caveat, we're recording this just under a week before Christmas, about a week before Boxing Day. So by the time you listen, there may have been one or two more games that have taken place. In general, though, not much changes. And hopefully you will understand that our, uh, our, our analysis comes from a place of what we expected at the start of the season, what the club's expectations at the start of the season were, and various other factors. George Ellick, as always, opposite so, me. Yeah, so basically, if we say that a team's going to do badly and they win on Boxing Day or on the, or on the 21st, you don't need to tell us mm. that we got that wrong because in the grand scheme of things, it may not change too much. Anyway, we hope you enjoy this podcast. We've done the same for Leagues 2 or League 2 and the Championship, and you can find those wherever you found this one. Uh, but I think we should get straight into it. And we've got to start as we're doing this alphabetically, with AFC Wimbledon. George, they are 19th as we record, with 20 points from 20 games. How do you rate that as a first half-ish of the campaign? I would give it a 7, which is probably quite surprisingly high. My eyebrows shot up. I think that um, a couple of things. Firstly, AFC, AFC Wimbledon in League One. In their current guise, this may not be the case in, in a few years' time, but in their current guise, I would say they are constantly punching above their weight. And therefore, so long as they are outside the relegation zone, I think that's a job well done and therefore better than average, a seven or above. Uh, when you caveat that with some of the off-field issues of this season... Yeah, being outside the relegation zone in League One at the moment doesn't necessarily mean much. No. There's only three spaces but, rather than four usually. But, but one of the teams time, is on two and the other is and another is on seven. Yeah. So some would say there's basically one spot. I, d I don't care. I, d I don't care what they say. They're currently currently in, they are currently in 19th position um in a league where they are um you know swimming upstream the whole time and the fact that South End are on seven points. I mean South End didn't face any charges, didn't face a point deduction. They are on a level playing field and we'll have a bigger budget than AFC Wimbledon anyway so mm -hmm. don't really see your point there but um but with with the off-field issues um you know the the fact that the club are struggling to fund the move to Plough Lane um has come out in the last couple of months showing that resources aren't particularly um plentiful at the moment at AFC Wimbledon you also have to factor in the that they lost manager Wally Downs after some irregular betting activity, whilst um, the chances are that he probably wouldn't be their manager now either way, um, the circumstances around his departure certainly weren't ideal. And given the issues with the uh, with the cash flow um, currently, um, the replacement, Glyn Hodges, similar to Wally Downs, um, you know, that they're, they're appointing guys who probably on merit um, don't really deserve to be managing League One teams. Um, He's you, got a good record so far. He has a very good record Hodges. so far. And that and that's kind of my point, is that they are a team who who haven't necessarily got a, a, a wealth of quality in their squad, except for the fantastic scoring ability of Marcus Force. Mm. 
um, who's been um, very important to them with 10 goals already this season in the league. Um, but I just feel like they are defying the odds purely by being where they are um, and as such deserve credit for that. Okay, so the crucial aspect of this in many ways is if Wimbledon are 19th as we record this, where do you see them finishing by the end of the season? Higher or lower than 19th? Realistically, below them, Tranmere on 17, Milton Keynes on 17, three points behind them, and then a 10-point drop to Southend on seven and a further five points to Bolton on two. There aren't many teams that can feasibly get above them. Yeah, I mean, that's... The, and, and looking at recent form under Glyn Hodges as well, I mean, two consecutive um, home wins in the league against decent opposition in Gillingham and Doncaster is enough to, um, you know, cheer up any any AFC fan who's worried about them. Um, it's hard to see them finishing much higher. So I'm going to say, you know, the same or higher. I don't think they're going to go down. I don't think they're going to finish lower. I'm very concerned about force being recalled in January. There's that no news on that at yeah. the moment. Uh, personally, I think MK Dons over the course of 24 odd more games will get above Wimbledon. Uh, as unpopular as that might sound. So for me, it's it's Wimbledon and Tranmere battling for, for one last relegation spot. Uh, and I don't think I'm quite as positive about them as you are. Accrington up next. Well, I was going to say, it's quite a perfect segue because you've you've basically drawn a line, therefore, through the teams above AFC Wimbledon, one of which two points um, better off at the moment, having played the same amount of games as Accrington. Yeah, fair. That was probably wrong of me to do because I would have Rochdale in that conversation as well. I wouldn't have Accrington in the conversation. I think, personally, that they are... Uh, a much better team than Wimbledon. Uh, it's not borne out, don't get me wrong, in the results at the moment with only two points between the two sides. Um, but from what I've seen, uh, from what I think about the, the management teams at both clubs, from what I think about the squad and the production of individual players within the squads, uh, I think there is a bigger than two-point gap between these two teams. I expect it to be a bigger gap by the end of the season. At the same time, because I was hopeful that Accrington would kick on a bit this season. I think a position of 17th at this stage uh, is, for my expectations, probably par. I think maybe slightly higher than, than the realities of it, which is that they are one of the lowest budgets in the league, that they continue to have to work creatively in the transfer market, along with teams like Wimbledon, don't get me wrong. I think it's probably a 7 out of 10 for Accrington in reality, because there'd be people who, who would have had them down for the drop merely because they're considered to be a small club at this level. In terms of recruitment, they've done brilliantly. Most of their key players so far this season um, are new players. Colby Bishop has reached double figures for goals, his first ever EFL campaign, having been signed from non-league. That is a fantastic achievement before uh, Christmas. Dion Charles, his strike partner, looks very lively and has five. Uh, and another... Key addition has been Opoku on loan from Fulham, who's been playing left-back. A um, couple of the old guard, like Jordan Clark and Sean McConville, uh, as good as ever. The young centre-back, Ross Sykes, who's only 20, but has been a mainstay for the last uh, almost two seasons now, uh, continues to grow. Uh, but there's still something not quite there for Accrington. The results uh, are not always coming, and they have suffered some fairly big defeats this season. So... If you look at the data, it would suggest that they are better than their current league position. Generally, I would hope that that will start to align and that if they continue playing the way they, they do, creating the amount of chances they do specifically, they'll move up the table. So for me, it's a 7 out of 10 for Accrington. And I think they could be 
not too many places higher at the end of the season, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them between 14th and 16th rather than 17th. So I'm going to go higher for Accrington. The next team in the alphabet, George, Blackpool FC. Feel free to add anything to, to my Accrington bit. If not, we'll move on to Blackpool, who are fifth at time of recording. Yeah, um, they are probably the hardest team in the whole of the EFL to get a grip on, I would say, Blackpool. Really? Wow. Do, do you not agree? Yeah, I mean, I do. I haven't thought about all of the teams. What but are they? I do agree that they are very hard to get a grip on. Um, and it's funny because they have a, a manager who you associate with being the most 7 out of 10 manager going in, in Simon Grayson. You, you kind of know what you're going to get. But with this Blackpool team, you don't know. Um, they have occasions where they are fairly unstoppable. Um, Armand Nondouillet, I think, kind of embodies this team very well, where he's a kind of elusive goal scorer who is going, undergoing the best season of his career thus far, age 27. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the fact is that on a, a few coin toss games, I guess, it's, it's gone Blackpool's way and it's seen them end up in uh, in fifth position as it stands. What do you rate that out of 10? I would rate that as an as an eight, I think, probably. I think it has to be an eight. Um, be. And they, you know, and it might, it might sound like I'm being, being a bit patronising to them early on and I want to kind of reinforce that I'm not. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant achievement. And I think the way that Grayson has approached this season at Blackpool, um, he's kind of thrown caution to the wind a bit. He hasn't. You think about the criticisms of Grayson in previous jobs. It's been, um, you know, fairly turgid football and fairly safe and the one criticism I'd probably make is that the uh, the back, they are prone to conceding a few goals now. Um, we saw them keep four clean sheets up to the middle of September. Since then, in the league, it's only they've only conceded, um, so they've only kept three. Uh, and we've, you know, they've conceded goals in their last five games. Um, and that, yeah, I guess the kind of hectic nature of, of, of their play um, means that it's quite difficult to win games. I mean, the easiest way to, to get three points is to make sure the opposition don't score. Um, but, you know, they had a bit of a wobble in October um, where they, I think they were winless in four or five. And I think it was four. And um, followed that up with um, with a few wins on the bounce. And it felt like if they were going to be falling away this season, that would be the time they were going to. But they're now back on a, on a great run of form. Can probably, probably feel a bit aggrieved they didn't get three points at the Stadium of Light last time out. And um, with two home games on the bounce coming up, uh, you know, we, we're probably looking at a team on the ascendancy. One of the big positives this season has been the renaissance, I suppose, of Liam Feeney who's the top assist maker in League One at the age of 33. His ability to connect with the head of Armand Nondouillet has been uh, one of the, the key aspects of, of League One this season and where, where Blackpool are in fifth um, reflects that. Have they hit a limit in terms of league position? Uh, all right at the back, all right going forward? Do you see them moving up, going down or staying about where they are? I... I think around where they are. I mean, if I had to say, I would probably say, um, I'd probably say up rather than down um, because there are, you know, I think that the teams, I think the current top four. Yeah, we're going to scratch our heads a fair bit through League One, I think, yeah, because but there's a lot of teams it's difficult to to really get behind and it, a lot of teams whose potential you could see coming out as yeah, well. I think there's just a few vulnerable teams at the top and uh, and Blackpool, as I say, I think having Grayson is is a big plus. Um, and if they can keep Nondouillet. Uh, Nondouillet is one of those players where I can imagine him getting a move in January and being absolutely terrible somewhere else. But so long as he's playing as the focal point in this team, I'm pretty sure he's going to continue to score goals. 
Let's go to Bolton Wanderers next up, George. They are 23rd in the table, which in this unfortunate League One table is the bottom position. They're on two points from 17 games. They've got plenty of games in hand, uh, but that 12-point deduction pre-season has meant that they've only recently got over into positive numbers. They would be on 14. Uh, without the deduction, they would be above South End, but still below MK Dons and Tranmere, uh, albeit with a similar points per game tally. How do you begin to analyse a mark out of 10 for this Bolton season, which started in, in such chaos uh, and, and has taken on a very different form under Keith Hill and David Flickcroft? I, I'm, I'm going to give it a uh, purely you know on pitch, I'm going to give it a 7. Um, because you know, you and I were asked early on in the season um, after the points deduction if it was possible for Bolton to stay up this season, and the general feeling was no, it wasn't. Um, they've obviously been helped by the fact that there's another team in Southend who are, are much worse than them, but they're currently, if you're looking at the betting markets, they're currently a nine to two shot um, to stay up, and you know, in, in my opinion, they have a decent chance of it. Um, they are 15 points behind um, a couple of desperate teams occupying the last spot and the one above. Um, and Keith Hill and, and, and David Flickcroft have certainly, um, the, you know, the recruitment that was so important on that day, or on the last day of the, of the window, um, enabled them to steady the ship and give them a fighting chance. Because when the window when the window reopens on January the 1st, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a new influx of players. Um, so getting Hobbs... Bridcut, Murphy, Crawford, all of these guys, Chickson, uh, and then, you know, crucially, Valinden as well, whose uh, ability out wide was so crucial to when they actually picked up that, the points in that run of games. Mm. They deserve big credit for it. Um, whether or not they, they'll be able to do this, I'm not sure. But I think pure, by purely keeping themselves within touching distance, giving themselves a chance to recruit again in January, um, is, is is absolutely massive and you know the the current struggles um you know they'll be disappointed not to put AFC Wimbledon away a couple of weeks ago they went down fighting against Peterborough but they're still competitive I was gonna say competitive in every game they did lose 7-1 to Accrington but they can blame a red card on that um you, you do feel like they are a team who uh who you know they're a team that belong in League One as they are at the moment and uh and I'm sure they they're gonna probably go a bit shorter than 92 at some stage when they make the signings they'll hope to in January. Yeah, the recruitment's one of the, the most impressive things, right? Because although some funds were made available to them in order to build this team, uh, most people's most people's recruitment include a lot of misses as well as a few hits. But the guys that Bolton brought in, and bear in mind they're shopping in a in a bargain bargain basement bucket, uh, have on the whole, performed pretty well. Uh, certainly Daryl Murphy leading the line has impressed. Uh, Alistair Crawford, when he's been fit, looks like a really tidy player. You mentioned Valinden as well. Um, there's there's real impressiveness to the team that they've been able to build uh, in such difficult circumstances. In terms of higher or lower, I mean, it's fairly straightforward this. They can't get lower. They could <coughs> stay the same feasibly, but could they get above Southend, who they're five points behind, but have four games in hand over? No, I mean, I think it's an obvious one. They, I mean, it's higher, um, in my opinion. This um, is a crucial one to remember that we've recorded this before Bolton South yeah. End. And, and you've tipped up South End on the betting show. So, uh, yeah, no, I think they'll finish. I think even if they get beat on, you know, they, it's fair to assume this Bolton team is going to look very, very different in two weeks. 
a new year, basically a new team. And um, you know, you mentioned that they would be on fourteen points if it wasn't for the uh, for the deduction. Um, five or six of those games were you know didn't exist anyway because they were playing a youth team, except for picking up the solitary point. Um, so even if Southend win and move um, to eight points clear of Bolton, um, I'd still be having Bolton over Southend in a match bet. Bristol Rovers next. They are one point ahead of Blackpool and one place ahead of Blackpool and they've played a game fewer. So fourth position as we record this. But crucially, having just lost their manager, Graham Coughlin, to Mansfield Town in the league below. A peculiar few days for Rovers who have won seven of their last ten as we record, including their last three away games. Uh, It's a, I would say up to this point, a nine out of ten season for a Bristol Rovers side who have struggled to develop off the field for various different reasons. And that's been reflected in hitting a bit of a wall in League One under Daryl Clark, who had brought them up two divisions in fairly quick succession and got them close to the playoffs. Last season, we saw uh, a bit of staleness, perhaps. uh, The sale maybe of one too many key attacking players and a tough start to the season. And Graham Coughlin took over with them towards the bottom end of the table and in almost exactly one year in the job, did a fantastic job to get them out of that relegation zone and up towards the top of League One. Given their style of play and given their numbers, I suppose, their underlying numbers, there are certainly question marks to be had as to whether a fourth place finish would have continued under Coughlin. With him gone and with his successor not yet named, it's very difficult to be clear on where we think they'll go. But a very, very good start to the season, reflected in a 9 out of 10 score. Johnson Clark-Harris has only started 10 games in the league, uh, but he scored eight goals. He's clearly the star of this team, but they've coped admirably well without him. And that's, I think, the most impressive thing. Players like Abu Agogo in midfield, uh, alongside Ed Upson, with Alex Rodman coming into the side and playing very, very well. A back three now of Tony Craig uh, and two young defenders, Alfie Kilgore and Roland Menais, are performing really, really well. And there's a feeling that they have, well, they're very well stocked at the back. They play a 3-5-2, which is getting the best out of a lot of their players and really eking the most out of this set of players. It's been a brilliant start to the season. I think to hold our hands up and say, we're kind of wait until someone gets appointed before we know for sure. Even so, it is difficult to imagine them maintaining this yeah I think, in I th- my opinion I think you have and to, I mean that with the greatest respect I think you can say lower with optimism if that makes sense where um, you know as I've said I think they're in a decent position now to to replace Coughlin with someone to take them over um, this next six month period and you know if that person can get them finishing sixth that would be a job well done what about Burton yeah another one that's quite tough really to to get a grip on um, because I don't think they're bad Currently 15th, as we record. But currently in 15th, mm. um, having scored only 21 goals in 19 games with a minus one goal difference. Definitely worse than we expected pre-season. Definitely worse than we expected pre-season. So, I mean, it's got to be a five, I would say. I think anything worse than that would be doing a disservice to Nigel Clough because they are... I mean, if, if, if we were doing a podcast instead of going through each team, if we were to, you know, if you were to ask me a question of which teams in each league could easily... Um, have a very, very, you know, could could get 50% more points in the second half of the season compared to the first, then um, Burton would, would definitely be um, pretty high up there. 
Um, They've had a real quirk of the fixture list this season. There was a point where they'd only played six home league games and 10 league away games. If you look on the website Soccer Stats at the breakdown of who they've played and where, I mean, they've, they have had a, just a miserable fixture list where they've played so many teams above them away from home, very few of the teams below them in general. The fixture list would suggest that things will get easier for Burton. We feel, I think, that things will get easier for Burton because when we went and saw them in the flesh against Oxford at the start of the season and they won 4-2, we saw how that team plays at its best with Boyce as a, a, a pivot of a number nine, playing with his back to goal and playing in the likes of Aikens and Scott Fraser with such talent, whether it's Sarkic or Broadhead as well, who brings a, a bit more of a youthful exuberance to proceedings. Quinn at the base of midfield dictating the play and a, an experienced back line, which is not really living up to expectations this season certainly not away from home where they've well, conceded too many goals I mean I think Liam Boyce being on three goals at this stage of the season is going to make it very difficult for Burton because he should be their class act and and given they're a team who are struggling to score goals um, you know that's that's simply not good enough and, and I feel like we are talking about Burton here probably at their lowest ebb mm. um, you know they beat Sunderland 2-1 away from home in a, in a performance and a result that I think a lot of people thought was going to be the beginning of their season since then, they managed somehow to draw at home to Southend, you know, the, the league's whipping boys. And then they performed fairly well in two 2-0 two defeats against Lincoln and, and, and Wickham. Um, the next two games over Christmas period, no one's gotten easier um, on paper. A couple of fixtures over Easter than Burton. They're home to Rochdale and Tranmere. And six points there um, would, you know, elevate them comfortably into, um, into kind of lower mid-table. And we have them a lot closer to the playoffs. And given the nature of this league this season, it won't take much for them to get there. So, uh, yeah, as I, I mean, I'm saying definitely, definitely higher for Burton. Um, and I think it'll be higher in, in two weeks, let alone six or five months. Commentary have been a, an interesting team to cover so far this season. Feels like they've been through some very good patches, some less good patches. They've been both a possession-based team and now more of a 3-5-2, slightly more direct type team. Where do you think they're at in terms of league position, currently seventh, just outside the playoff places, but very much within a batch of teams who are close in points compared to what we expected pre-season? How do you think the first half of the season has gone for them? I'd say an eight. Um, again, another team where because of the early season form, it's easy to forget some of the factors surrounding Coventry's season. Um, they are playing at St Andrews, which, um, you know, I remember there was conversations before the season started talking about how that was going to impact them so negatively. And even though this was a promising team, how it'd be so hard for them to deal with the fact that they weren't playing at home. Their record at the time of recording is played 11-1-7, drawn three, lost one. Incredibly impressive. Um, you look at the, the players in the team itself. Um, you know, I spoke about Liam Walsh on Sky Sports last Friday, who's just one of a clutch of really, really impressive players um, having having decent seasons so far. Um, Shipley and Westbrook, either side of him, um, you know, very, very good indeed. Uh, up top, they've had some issues with, with the kind of the the uh, marquee signing, let's call him, Matt Godden. Um, top scorer currently shared between four players all on three goals. Yeah, and, and Godden's a weird one because, um, you know, he scored three goals very early on very quickly in his um, Coventry career and suffered injury in October 
um, and is starting to come back into the fold now. But he's, you know, he he did something quite similar at, Paul, at Peterborough last season, where he started the season kind of electrically, and then uh, started to wane. But he um, came off the bench for the second time uh, in a couple of weeks against Shrewsbury last time out, and he. If they're getting back the goal scorer that, that they had at the beginning of the season, I think he, he could kind of be the final piece of the jigsaw to make them really kick on because despite picking up a fair few points at home, they're still never really prolific despite having you know a lot of attacking talent at their disposal. Um, but again, I, I think given the you know given the, the youth of the squad, given the issues in terms of the the ownership and, and the stadium situation, uh, I think that you know, if if Coventry were to get themselves into a top six finish, that in itself would be, you know, a nine out of ten performance. So with them sitting just outside, but right, you know, in the thick of it and involved, um, you have to be positive. Higher or lower than seventh? Essentially, will they be a playoff team or better come the end of the season? Yeah, I think I think lower um, because there's a clutch of clubs from kind of eighth down to possibly kind of 14th who you could see having fairly strong seasons might be a clutch of clubs above them who they might be confident of getting above as well it's a very tough one to but call i've already been nice about blackpool so i can't you know yeah. have a go at them fair enough okay let's move on to donny because they've had a really peculiar start to the season as well <laughs> i realized that i've been saying that about a lot of teams it clearly clearly speaking about this stuff two three four times a week on various different uh, mediums yeah various different media uh, clearly doesn't really make you feel any more confident about anything that's actually going on. And that's the beauty of the EFL, don't get me wrong. Donny have only played 17 games. That's the same as Bolton. It's incredibly random, but they've been victim to a strange uh, quirk of the fixture list. Uh, their game against Bolton didn't go ahead because it was at the time where Bolton's uh, very young squad of players just basically couldn't fulfill all of the fixtures and they've had a few postponed for internationals as well so you're looking at three games in hand over some of the teams two in general uh, and a position in 14th which seems a bit disappointing given that when they were playing to start the season they played very well they were unbeaten after six games they had uh, beaten Fleetwood Lincoln and Rotherham at home who all looked like good sides at that time uh, and they'd picked up some points away from home as well but whether it's the stuttery nature of their season so far with so many games, big gaps between them, whether it's Darren Moore maybe struggling to get the best out of his team as the season goes on, it's not quite clear. But recent results have been underwhelming. I would say that it's tough to give this Donny team more than five or six out of ten for where they are at the moment. Um, I would say I, I don't think you give them five because, I mean, even if you if you take their points per game ratio... And you know, times that by twenty instead of seventeen, they'd be on twenty-eight points. And that's so that's mm. that's not giving them three points for their games in hand. That's just ticking along at the same rate. That's just maths. That's just that's just okay. Maths. So they'd be up there with Pompey and Shrewsbury mm. essentially from what they've done. Okay, well let's give them six because I'm certainly not yeah, giving yeah, them no, I agree, seven. I agree with that. Um, in terms of positives, they've got a player in Ben Whiteman yeah. who has even in a team with James Coppinger in it stepped into something of a leadership role on the pitch taking responsibility, the main 
the main passer in midfield, the, the first point of contact for the defence, uh, someone who's taking more shots per game than any other player in League One, someone who is really coming of age as a 23-year-old at this level who has signed a new contract and who you would expect to make the club a decent amount of money uh, as a sell-on. Uh, some of the, the, the Wolves loanees they had, Cameron John uh, and the striker Niall Ennis, started quite well but have fallen away through injury and other reasons recently. And there aren't too many other players who are lighting it up. Kieran Sadler had a great start to the season but has slowed down as well. And, and maybe that's a feature of their last few weeks. Individual players maybe not coming to the fore. But it's interesting to track Darren Moore's progress with this team, isn't it? Because uh, we spoke a lot about his West Brom side last year. And even when they picked up decent results, they, they, they never looked like a top team. So it's difficult to truly analyse this Donny team. Yeah. And to work out where they should be, to be quite honest, based well, I, on squad. I also wonder if if Darren Moore or whoever it is um, in charge of recruitment or who was in charge of recruitment in the summer showed a little bit of naivety in approaching this League One season. I mean, you've lost John Marquis for a fair few quid and the replacements themselves are basically academy graduates. I mean, you've, uh, really the only full 90 minutes I've seen from Doncaster this season um, it was two loanees that starred and they've done absolutely nothing since. Uh, Niall Ennis has, of course, been injured, but he scored a fantastic goal in the game against Lincoln. And Kaz Sterling, uh, off the bench, also made a big impact. Sterling has... I mean, I, I assume there must be efficient fitness issues because he hasn't featured for um, a long while. Ennis has, has been injured. But just the kind of... To have a team that was so good last season, that was so close to a playoff final, those replacements... Yeah, I I don't know if it was just taking the league a little bit lightly or not not realizing what was needed to replace them. Um, given the money that that Doncaster got from from Marquis, you'd have to hope that they're going to reinvest again. Um, you know, in January, but um, but they just look one or two class players short, especially at the top end of the pitch. Do you think higher or lower based on current league position? We know that it it's a bit of a false position anyway because of the the lack of games they've played. Is it simple enough to say well? probably a bit better than 14th or does the current poor form concern you in terms of, of where they might finish the the i'd say the poor form is definitely a concern um because they're you know they're going down to teams um that you would maybe expect them to do better against i mean the, the as i said i think the mk dons result will look better in a couple of weeks but at the time it looked like a terrible home a uh, couple of points to to lose um, the loss to AFC Wimbledon as well, really disappointing. Um, for Doncaster fans going into those two games, they'd have seen it as a massive opportunity to push themselves up the up the table and, and instead they've taken just one point. Um, yeah, I'm not particularly positive going forward. I think they'll probably finish higher because of the weird um, fixture scenario and that's about it. Okay, let's move on to Fleetwood Town. They were towards the top of the table at the beginning of the season. They're currently in ninth, 30 points from... 18 games. Uh, looking at the breakdown of their points, it's fairly clear that at home they are very strong. Seven wins and two draws in their 10 games this season. Away from home, less so. Five defeats in the eight games they've played. So two more home games than away games. It's a feature of this League One season that there's been such a, a, a strange fixture list that some teams have played a, a quite significant different number of home games or away games. And that is something that we... Well, we certainly it's good to know when you're predicting the future. I would say for Fleetwood, uh, it's been an inconsistent last month or two where they went through eight games. They won and lost consecutive games, four wins, four defeats, and then a draw at home to Gillingham. They're finding it a little bit more difficult 
in recent times to create and score goals. And potentially that reflects the very hot start to the season that Paddy Madden had, where he seemed to be scoring with every half chance that he got. Now this Fleetwood side is still not creating enough to, to be considered a real attacking force. And defensively, the clean sheets have, have somewhat dried up. They've kept just one clean sheet since the beginning of October. And that was against MK Don. So I think it's probably a, a six or a seven out of ten. Uh, they played some really good stuff at the start of the campaign. They've got a good squad and it wouldn't be surprised to see them last the distance in, in terms of, you know, not struggling with, with one or two injuries there. They've got the backing, as we know, and Barton in charge. I think we're still working out exactly how good he is as a manager. Um, but at home, they've been good. Away, less so. It's a seven out of ten for me. And in terms of where they'll finish, I'm tempted to say the same, really. I think a ninth place finish is about what I would expect from Fleetwood at this stage. I think some of the teams above them, as you've mentioned, might drop down the table. But I, I equally look at a few teams below them, who I'm sure we'll touch on as, as teams who could potentially get above them without too much difficulty. So they're in ninth. You know, something between seventh and tenth is, is what I'm expecting for Fleetwood. Uh, and we'll see how they go. Gillingham, George, have, have had a great few weeks, you have to say. Certainly defensively they they've kept four clean sheets in their last six games and they've picked up 10 points from those six which is a, an improvement after a difficult September and October how would you say Steve Evans's Gillingham have performed so far this season to get to where they are in 13th place compared to what you expected to what I expected well to what I expected I'd, I'd say it's a you know it's a, a six out of ten start um kind of bang on expectation mm-hmm. um <laughs> trying to be tactful here uh well i mean there's three points between them and rochdale in 18th yeah and then three points above them is only yeah, two places away in my, true my point so they're, they're still that, closer to the bottom is that gillingham fans steve evans the betting markets all seem to expect um the arrival of evans at gillingham to to trigger some kind of promotion push that defied any logic or reason um and I would say that he's he came into a side who've who've struggled for a couple of years now. Um, he has made them much more solid, and they look like a team who could really go the right way in the second half of the season. Um, but as ever with Steve Evans, he was telling anyone who had listened that the signings he had made in the summer were the best in the league. He was building up certain players. Um, you know, I think some people bought into the into the rhetoric that is so consistent with. Yeah. Um, with uh, Steve Evans so you've got to take that with a pinch of salt I think six is uh, about right um, it's hard I mean as ever with uh, with Steve Evans you'd expect them to he will be certainly wanting to add more to his squad I'm sure we'll hear all about it throughout January and I'm sure there'll be way more signings who he says should be playing in the championship well I wouldn't be rolling my eyes I know what you're getting at but I wouldn't be rolling my eyes if they go some distance to get a striker in a proper mm. goal-scoring striker in the in the shape of Tom Eaves, because what's clear looking at the squad and what we've seen from them this season is that, especially in Jakubiak, Hanlon, and Jolly, Charles Cook, they've got a lot of fast, skillful, wide men slash number ten types, and in Mikel Mandron, they only really have one proper number nine who can hold the ball up and uh, and Mandron is, is not a goal scorer, as we know. So it'd be interesting to see how this team do if they do get a goal scorer in. Unfortunately, we know ourselves 
and this is difficult for some fans to take. It's not that easy just plucking out a striker midway through the season who will then score you a double-figure goal. So, you know, the performances of Conor Ogilvie, I would say, have been the big highlight for me this season. Um, fantastic, Looking fantastic as a centre-back at 23 years of age. Someone who we'd expect to, to go higher. I think they've done a little bit better than I thought they would at this stage, helped by good recent form. So, um, But I'm kind of with you that it's difficult to imagine them getting too much higher than this when you look at, at the teams above them. What about Ipswich, mate? They're in second as we record. They it didn't feel like too long ago were top of the table and off the back of an incredible run, specifically of away wins. Uh, they were looking very, very pretty indeed. They haven't won in the last four as we record here. The chasing pack have got closer to them as Wickham have got a bit further away. What do you rate this Ipswich first half of the season out of 10 everyone expected them to be to be right up there and they are eight eight yeah i think so I, you can't let <coughs> recency bias um sway it massively because if you'd shown you know if you if you blanked out the teams around them because the, the wickham factor probably would have an impact but if you showed you know paul lambert and ipswich fans where they would be sitting ahead of christmas you know in second position uh, on 36 points I think they'd have um, been very happy with that and taken it immediately with just three defeats, only conceding 15 goals. You know, they're a team who, they're one of the worst championship teams we've ever seen last season um, and been relegated. And they have uh, built a really, really good side around some exciting young players. And that is so important. You've got Kane Vincent Young, who came in in the summer, has been arguably their best player on the right-hand side of defence. Luke Wolfenden, back from his loan spell at Swindon, has been an absolute rock alongside Luke Chambers at the back. Um, Flynn Downs playing a starring role in the middle of the, the central midfield as well, age 20. Caden Jackson finally proving his worth, having had a, a poor first season at the club in the last campaign. Um, it's just, even though you know, I, I've spoken a lot about the gap between the Championship and League One, I think they'll struggle next season if they do go up. But it does feel like the whole club is in a much better place than it was. And, you know, we've seen plenty of other sides come down from the championship with big expectations and not manage the gap very well. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it has to be an 8 out of 10. You can't let the, the current run of form um, have too big an impact. Paul Lambert has said so himself recently. Um, and I'd be surprised if they're not still up there come the end of the season. Defensively, they've been really strong. And Luke Wolfenden's emergence, who you spoke about on Sky last Friday as a future star of, of League One and League Two, uh, he's been helped by the experience of Luke Chambers next to him. But he's certainly been one of their key performers this season. And in fairness, while every team suffers injuries over the course of the campaign, it feels like they've suffered some really annoying, tedious injuries. Not necessarily long-term, but just injuries that don't quite go away, injuries that keep people out for a couple of games at a time. You look at Norwood, who was the marquee signing in the summer, you know, with the remit of scoring the goals to fire them up. He has eight goals in 1,200 minutes, which is a very, very decent goal return in that time. He's played the seventh most minutes in the team, but he's only played 70% of league minutes available. So there hasn't been a huge amount of availability for a lot of key players. And you have to think that with some of the qualities they do have, uh, a, a fitter squad will pick back up and continue to, or, or maybe reach that form from earlier on in the season. The only other thing I would say is that there's been a bit of a sticking point in recent weeks about style of play, which is understandable. It didn't seem to be a problem when they were winning 1-0. Uh, 
um, in the majority or what felt like a lot of their games earlier on in the season. Uh, but it's it's causing a bit of an issue at the moment. And with the squad at their disposal, it feels like they could play a, a more expansive style, whether or not Paul Lambert has any interest in that, we don't know. Uh, Lincoln are up next, George. Uh, just a quick one on Ipswich. Higher, lower, all the same? I would say not lower. Yeah, I'd probably say not lower. First or second. Okay. What about Lincoln? Lincoln are 16th. Lincoln have Michael Appleton in charge of them, where at the start of the season they had Danny Cowley and his brother Nicky in charge. We had relatively high hopes for them. I think a playoff finish or a, at least a flirtation with it in our preseason predictions. Even with them in charge, I feel like some of the the realities had started to come to fruition, that that might be a, a step too far. So maybe take our own lofty expectations out of this. This Lincoln team being in 16th in their first season in League One after a while, after two promotions in three years, I'm personally more of an optimist than a pessimist. I'm not going to mark them down too much. Uh, is, it a, is it a five? Yeah, is it it's a, a, I think it's a five or a six. Dealing with the loss of the, of the Cowleys is the most important kind of headline here. Um, and, you know, with Michael Appleton coming in, it was always going to be, it was never going to be a seamless transition from those two. Very different people, very different management styles, very different ideas of of how to win games of football. Um, you look through the, you know, the players they have. I mean, yeah, I know they only got promoted last season and it's been an amazing journey since non-league. But, you know, in Grant, uh, Morel, Payne, Walker... I mean, these are guys, I mean, even Andrade's who's having a, a, a poor season. These are guys who um, would be sought after by, by most um, League One teams if they were available. So being in 16th position isn't a particularly good effort. Um, but as I say, I mean, losing losing Cowley and going to get Appleton on a four-year contract or four-and-a-half-year contract, I think is a sign from the owners of, of Lincoln that you know, the, the, the remit for the new manager wasn't just to continue the Cowley story, it's to create their own story. And um, the the kind of foundations that kept the Cowley set with the style of football they wanted to play and the way they set up their teams is going to be largely torn apart by Appleton as he looks to build his own team. Um, so a five, I think, for this season is, is probably about fair. It, it's the first building block of a few. A transition season in terms of where they finish in May, 16th. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. One either side I, I, is I'm, kind of where I'm leaning. I, I, I reckon they'll finish higher. Um, having you know experienced firsthand Appleton's um, ability in the transfer market, I reckon they'll be getting four or five new guys in. Probably young guys, probably a couple of academy um, players who will lift the team because um, you know his standards are, are, are pretty high for for recruitment and um, will fit the style of uh, the style of football that he wants to play. MK Dons, based on what we've seen so far this season, have got to be a two with 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 an acknowledgement that they were in League Two last season. They went so long without winning from the 14th of September until the 14th of December, three months. There's only been four and a half months of the season. I can't give them any more than a, th a three, probably. So it's a two or a three. Maybe it's a three based on the fact under Russell Martin, in front of your eyes, last weekend against Oxford, 
you felt and saw a big improvement and you felt and saw a team that that's better than their league position, which is currently 21st. But you can't give more than a three for what's happened so far. And another acknowledgement is the injuries that they've had. You, you would have said before the start of the season that their best attacking players were Reese Healy and Joe Mason. Healy has played 250 minutes. Mason has played 350 minutes. That represents three and four games worth of football. Um, a huge loss for, for any team. And MK essentially couldn't score for about three months. <laughs> Things are looking better, though. These players, or certainly Mason, back at, and looking fit and looking well. To my eyes, the, the back line could be a lot better than it was in that bad run. Should should trend upwards. To my eyes, they finish higher than 21st. I don't see them getting relegated from this League One this season. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a tale of two halves, I suppose, because I I have to give them a three, no more than I, that. Well, I think everyone has to just you know you give them a three and you move on because um, <laughs> because the the side that I saw on Saturday, I mean, if they end up struggling after that, I'll be I'll be perplexed because they were a different team to what we've been seeing recently. Um, you know, this is if if I had to put a weighting on higher or lower for the whole all three episodes, then they would be the one where I'd be most confident of. This being, is your nap of being. This is my nap. Your yeah, higher nap. My higher nap. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, I think that, that the return of, of Mason has already made a massive difference. I think Healy's return will also do the same. And defensively, they looked just so solid and very, very well drilled. So, um, yeah, they're, they're my one to look out for for the rest of the season. Right, moving on. George, Oxford United, I'm not going to say a word. Take me through the card. Uh, I'm, I'm aware that I gave Colchester quite a, a, a low mark despite their cup run, so I need to take that out of my out of my mind. Um, I'll give Oxford a seven. You're really holding yourself back there. You wanted to say eight. No, I think a seven's fair. I, th- I think that you only won one of your first seven games. Well, that's part of it, you know. Yeah. The season didn't start in mid-September. No, although, I mean, Carl, when I spoke to him for the Athletic, Carl did say to me that it was only a week, um, which I think, you know, unless we played seven games in a week is, isn't quite, doesn't quite ring true. But um, yeah, it's been a fantastic season to be an Oxford fan so far. And the reason why we're, we're eighth and not higher is because of um, of that tricky start where, you know, two weeks before the season started, I, I genuinely was convinced that we were going to be in a relegation battle because... Um, the recruitment that we'd so needed just hadn't really happened yet. But the gamble paid off. The deals that were struck late in the window um, were brilliant. The recruitment has been so, so good in the summer. And um, again, you know, the, the MK Dons defeat on Saturday was the first loss in, in I think I think it was 19 in all competitions, but I read today somewhere else it was 18. 18, I think. I think that's wrong. But, um, but I mean, there's an easy way to find out. Just count. Um, either 18 or 19 in all comps and that run you know, has catapulted Oxford up the table uh, one point from the last two games is uh, against Shrewsbury and MK Dons is very disappointing but having said that the the injury problems have been really really severe I mean there was a time a couple of weeks ago such as, as the Shrewsbury game Oxford played five wingers three of which were playing centre midfield um, so yeah and as I say the recruitment in terms of bringing in Alex Gorin Tarek Fosu Matt Taylor I mean those are three of our most important players the key going forward is going to be keeping hold of Rob Dickey, Cameron Brannigan, Tariq Fosu, um, and of course, Aloni Taylor as well. If we can do that, I have no doubt we'll finish higher than eighth. Um, you know, just a week or so ago, we were the second favourites for the 
um, for the league itself, which I think shows you how high a regard we are seen. You know, we are shown in by the numbers, the support of the performances as well. Um, so yeah, it's a seven and higher for me. One of the teams you'll be chasing is Peterborough, who are currently third. It's been an impressive start to the season for a few different reasons, and yet there are still probably some reservations going forward. Posh didn't win any of their first three games. Tricky fixtures against Fleetwood Oxford and Ipswich. They then rattled off four wins in a row, uh, all of them to nil. And since then, you know, when they've had a little blip, maybe a run of two or three games without a win, they've bounced back pretty well. And they've earned their spot in third place. There's no secret of the fact that their weapons are at the top end of the pitch in Issa, Tony and Marcus Madison. There was that period earlier in the season where between them they had scored such a ridiculous number of goals as to have scored more than many full teams across uh, the EFL. Now, a couple of injuries and whatnot, they've slowed down slightly, those guys. But what I've been quite impressed with is that the defence has been okay. The defence has been decent and Darren Ferguson should take credit for that. Generally, his teams have been pretty good defensively. I remember his Donny side being exceptional defensively and very turgid going forward. And interestingly, despite Peterborough's star front three capturing the headlines, many reports from posh fans that who, whose opinions we rate and respect is that most posh games are not particularly entertaining, even the ones that have a lot of goals in them. That their style of play is somehow not particularly exciting even if sometimes it results in a few goals so there's a couple of interesting things about this posh team the other thing is not to forget that last year and it was a stronger league one don't get me wrong uh, they had 41 points at christmas after 23 games um, it feels to me like they're doing better this year but they've got 35 points from 20 which is pretty much the same sort of record so um, not doing much better than they were this time last year, to be quite honest, in terms of results. Uh, I think that it's unlikely they finish third and above, personally. I think Posh will finish lower than third, but I don't think it's going to be much lower, personally. I wouldn't be surprised, especially if they keep those three, to see Posh going into to the playoffs, personally, uh, in the in the spring and summer months. So that is Peterborough. Portsmouth, fascinating. George... Pompey a tenth. I mean, that seems <laughs> higher than I expected, given how tricky a season it was to start with. Um, what do you think tenth represents out of ten so far this season for the team that we thought would be the champions? Four, uh, because you know they were the team in a similar way that we spoke about Doncaster a second ago. They were the team with all the games in hand. And you know, people kept saying if they win all their games in hand, they'd be third, they'd be fourth. Well, now they played 19, which is the same as most, well, half the teams in the league. One fewer than, than 20, which is, except for Southend, the most in the league. Um, and they're still in 10th position. They were thumped at Accrington um, last weekend. 4-1, which I think was the performance that proved that anyone who thought they were out of the woods um, wasn't necessarily right. The expected goals numbers and, and things were very positive for them when they were undergoing that tricky spell they've dipped significantly recently uh kenny jacket is still not particularly popular with with fans uh the decisions i mean the inability to get marquis harrison and Pittman all 
performing together in the same team has been shocking. You have to wonder what re- recruitment was doing if he had no plan and how, and how he was going to do it. Um, Marcus Harness looked like a brilliant uh, signing at the start of the season. He's dropped off a cliff in terms of his performance levels. Uh, Ronan Curtis has been relied upon for goals, despite the you know the fortunes they they, they spend on on strikers as well. So, all really disappointing. Um, this is the bare minimum. I don't think there are many managers who'd be doing worse than this. Okay, so do they finish higher or lower than they are now? I, th- I mean, you have to say higher because, as I say, this it, it, it's such a good squad. They. You know they they've been through a better run of form and they're they're still half decent at Fratton Park and you know it's not a very strong league, um so it's a four and it's higher but it's I mean it's not much higher I don't think and and that doesn't seem like Jacket's going to be um, showing the door anytime soon so it's up to him to improve it. Rochdale next they're 18th with 22 points from 20 games. Recently they lost five games in a row, conceding plenty of goals, not scoring many. Then they got a remarkable and impressive 1-0 win away at Rotherham but the concerns are there for this Rochdale side that they might get sucked into a relegation battle to a greater extent than they would have thought come the end of October when results had been going fairly well and they'd had this wonderful cup run. Brian Barry Murphy doesn't have I think it's fair to say a tremendous amount to work with outside of fairly unproven young talent who he appears to be doing uh, a very good job of, of developing and, and bringing through. Um, the goals of Ian Henderson are as important as ever, which going forward for this team is is a concern because of his because of his advancing years, shall we say. Um, goals have been a problem and defensively not particularly great either. Sanchez in goal has, well, had been a bit of a disaster at times. Um, if you look at the results they've got, it's clear where the issue is. They've only beaten one team in 16th or above. Uh, they've actually got very good records against the team around them, beating Accrington, Tranmere, MK Dons, Southend and Bolton. So it's those games that are keeping them afloat at the moment. They have to keep beating the teams to, uh, around them. I think at this stage, bearing in mind a, a good performance at Old Trafford, which might give them half a point more because we're generally focusing on the league here. I think for Rochdale to be 18th is no better than par. Um, probably a, a, a five out of 10, I would say. Um, and I'm slightly concerned for them going forward, even though we saw some nice football being played at the start of the season. And as much as I bang on about the youth system being impressive there, um, you know, we're talking, we're just focusing on this one season here and they have to improve. Otherwise, I think they could get sucked into it. So I'm going to say they finished lower uh, and I've given them five out of 10 so far f- for this season, which might be a bit harsh. I, I could be persuaded into giving them a six. Um, talk to me about Rotherham. They're in sixth at the moment, the last playoff spot. Uh, another team, quite inconsistent, really. Plenty of good wins, plenty of disappointing defeats. Yeah, it's been a really weird season for them. Um, where you feel like they've dropped so many points, yet they're still there they are in sixth. I'd probably give them a seven for the season thus far. Um, you know, teams coming down from, from uh, the championship tend to fare quite well. And they are making a decent fist of it after a difficult start. Um, there was some displeasure with, with, with Paul Warren early on in the season. Luckily, um, the club stood by him and they're, and they're reaping the rewards now. But at the time of recording this podcast, like a couple of other teams we've mentioned in League One, they looked in a good position to really kick on and head towards Wickham. 
a 1-0 home defeat against Rochdale, followed up by a 2 all draw away at South End. Um, was not in the script at all to get one point from those two games. And they find themselves back in the in, in the kind of the thick of, of the playoff action. Ladapa being in the goals is obviously important. Whether they're going to finish higher or lower, um, you can say you don't know. Yeah, uh, I would say the same. I'd I'd say lower, lower, lower. Okay, lower for Rotherham. What about Shrewsbury? They're in eleventh place. This is the highest they've been, I think, so far this season, after a half decent run of form in the last few weeks. Don't go and watch Shrewsbury would be my first bit of advice. I really respect how good they are defensively, but that, linked with how poor they are going forward, means there's not a lot of fun. There's not a lot of goals in these games. Just two goals on average in every Shrewsbury game. It's the lowest in League One, fairly comfortably. It would be the lowest in the Championship. There's actually three teams in League Two uh, who who average fewer than two goals per game. So I wouldn't go and watch Shrewsbury necessarily, I should add that those stats are boosted by two crazy games uh, with a 4-3 scoreline, a win against Southend and a loss against Bristol Rovers. Generally, these are low-scoring games. I have a lot of respect, as I said, for how good they are defensively. The three centre-backs, I think, are excellent. Pierre, Ebanks, Landell and Roshan Williams. Uh, I don't see much about them in the final third. It, it might be improving very slowly, but I don't think they're likely to, to become a, a particularly good attacking team in the next few months. So I find it difficult to imagine that they will finish higher than 11th. I think they will most likely finish a couple of spots lower, but I don't think by any means that they are in danger of relegation. I don't think they'd get sucked in um, anywhere near sort of 17th and below where you'd think those teams are starting to worry. So uh, a good season for Shrewsbury to build under Sam Ricketts, under Sam Ricketts to keep improving under him uh, and see where we get to next year because their recruitment in the last few years has been very good for a club with their budget. And, and, I, and I do have a lot of time for the club and, the, and where it's going. I just think it's taking... Uh, it's not progressing that quickly, which is fine as well. So I'm going Shrewsbury lower uh, and I'm going to give them 7 out of 10 for their start of the season because I don't think we expected them to be 11th uh, at this stage. You could probably push me to an 8 if I was feeling really generous, but we'll leave it at 7. Uh, as for South End, George, one of the worst teams we've ever seen. One. Impossible to give them anything else. This can be pretty quick. Terrible, terrible summer of recruitment. Um, you know, bringing in Sol Campbell is a positive, but we're yet to see a... We were seeing an improvement on the pitch, but we yet to see it really reap any rewards. They've got a goal difference of minus 37 after 21 games. They've conceded 59 goals. Um, it's absolutely abysmal. Uh, one win so far. It's going to be typical when they absolutely batter Bolton on Saturday 5-0 that we've said this. But in at the current state of play, at 4.42 in the afternoon on the 19th of December, um, it's impossible to give them any anything other than one. It's impossible to predict them to finish anything better than 22nd. So I'm saying lower, they'll finish what is bottom of this year's League One in 23rd position. Okay, okay, okay. That was pretty grim. How about Sunderland? Because Sunderland are, as we record, in 12th place. Certainly underachieving, having what can only be described as a miserable time under Phil Parkinson, having taken the decision to sack Jack Ross when... He wasn't winning that many games, but he certainly wasn't losing many games, which was somewhat of a theme under Ross. 
it couldn't be going much worse, I would suggest. And I don't want to tempt fate there. But I, I'm going to give Sunderland a, uh, a four. That is clearly, in some ways, ridiculous for a team that's won more games than they've drawn and they've lost. But it has to reflect our expectations and the expectations of the fan base, the board, the resources at their fingertips, the squad that they have, which is being hugely questioned for, for obvious reasons. They're not performing. Uh, at the same time, the reason it's not lower than four, they're within four points of the playoff places. It's not all done. It's not all over. Things can turn around. I know it doesn't feel like that at the moment for a lot of for a lot of Sunderland fans. And Phil Parkinson may well not be the man to turn it around. But any talk of relegation, uh, I, I think, is is wrong. Um, but I understand where it comes from because the players aren't performing. I can't think any any other than Luke O'Neill are truly performing to an acceptable standard. Uh, the management team, whether it was Jack Ross, whether it's Phil Parkinson now, not performing to expectations. And it's uh, it's been just a miserable few months. So it's crucial for the future of the club that they improve. I don't think they get much worse than they are now. So I, I will say that Sunderland are going to finish higher than 12th. But I don't for a minute think it... I, I'm not going as far as to say I expect them to finish in the playoffs. I think at the state that they're in at the moment, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Um, but I do think they probably finish higher than 12th, if only by one or two places. Tranmere. George, we knew it was going to be tough for them because when you win the playoffs in League Two as ultimately a decent League Two team at the back and going forward that just happens to have a, a generational season from a League Two striker and you lose that striker on a free in the summer and you don't have a lot of funds to replace. It's always going to be tough. Not a lot of funds, not a lot of fun. But they are 20th with 17 points. It's not been a good start to the season. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it would be harsh on Mickey Mellon and uh, everyone else to give them worse than a four. But I don't think you can really give a team anything um, higher than that. I spoke to a Tramia fan recently and I said, you know, sorry about your guys' season so far. And he said, look, if we come 20 at the end of the season, Mickey Mellon deserves a medal. So that's kind of the state of play here. Um, you know, the, it was a, a phenomenal achievement for them to you know get those back-to-back -back promotions but losing Norwood um, was a blow that kind of they, they basically weren't ready for the challenge when they got there after losing him and it's important to remember they also lost their talisman from the first promotion and Andy Cook as well so it's been year on year of losing their key assets um, so yeah a four for me um, they are just fairly desperate going forward they have no real thrust up at the top end and it's going to be very difficult for them to attract the player that they need um, you know in the uh, in January um, I wonder if they may ask the question whether Andy Cook is available from Mansfield um, to come back and help them out but uh, and I think they're going to be going lower as well as we've already said you know I said that I'm positive about MK Dons' chances I think that AFC Wimbledon are going to be okay I think that, that last spot for me will come down to Rochdale and, uh, and Tranmere Okay, let's finish on a decent note, more than a decent note, Wickham Wanderers, who are top of Skybet League One. Ding, 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 ding. Seven points clear of Ipswich Town, albeit having played one game more. Eight points clear of Peterborough, who are third, having played the same amount of games. George, out of 10, how would you rate Wickham Wanderers 
first half of this campaign. Ten. Yay! Can't be anything else, can it? Let's hope it's a... Oi, oi, oi! This is the one where I'm hoping that people are listening to this next week being like, but they just lost on Saturday because they're playing us. It's been a phenomenal season. Do not swear. You could have been forgiven for going for it, but it is phenomenal It's been a phenomenal season. Uh, for uh, Gareth Ainsworth and for Wickham, this is a side who you and I had a real tussle with in our pre-season predictions. You wanted them in 21st, I wanted them 20th. Uh, <laughs> and I think I got just about got my way in the end, thank God. Um, and, I mean, it's just unbelievable what they've done. Yeah. Um, you know, they're... It, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're playing free-flowing, passing football, but, you know, I think their reputation as a long-ball team is... It's slightly unfair this this season. They can mix it up uh, in different ways to try and hurt you. The wide players they brought in have been really important at different stages as well. It feels like they've dovetailed very well. Onya Dimner's had good spells. Wheeler's had good spells as well. Um, Kashkut came and came to the fore uh, a, a few weeks ago, and um, you know Akin Fenwa is still doing the business up top when he's called upon. And Joe Jacobson's set piece delivery is still elite for this level. Well, I'd like to talk about the defence, George, because they've won. Eight of their last 11 league games, all eight victories to nil without conceding a goal. Uh, and the other three results were all draws, one of them nil-nil. And then, it, so they've only conceded in two of their last 11 league games. It's absolutely incredible. They've conceded four goals away from home in nine games. Now, they do struggle to score away from home as well, which means they haven't always picked up the wins away from home. But when you're nine wins, two draws after 11 games at home, you know every reason why they are where they are. Both offensively and defensively, they've been absolutely fantastic. The big question is, higher or lower? I mean, that's not the question, is it? They can't be higher. So, same or lower is the big question. It's so tough. We're, we're thinking about this every, every minute of every day at the moment. I am going to say, lower. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say lower. I think the fixtures, they've already overcome a difficult kind of mini run. But from the from the moment of, of uh, you know, this conversation right now, it's Oxford away. It's Pompey away. It's Covert home. Ipswich at home. Sunderland away. And then comes the supposedly easier game against Rochdale. But who knows where we are then? And then away at Coventry, home to Blackpool. I mean, that is... So tough. On the 1st of February, they face MK Dons away. If they are still top of the table then, then I'll believe. But that is a ropey bunch of fixtures. And the hardest thing about it is with every defeat or every, you know, with every defeat that may come in that, they'll be losing ground on the, on the chasing pack as well. Well, it feels like they've got the right man in charge. That's for sure. Let's focus, shall we, on the 10 out of 10, which represents one of the best and most surprising Half seasons since we started covering the EFL. Hats off to you, Wicked Wanderers. Hats off to you, Gareth Ainsworth. Absolutely fantastic stuff. We've loved running through League One with you guys. A little mid-season review of sorts. We've done the exact same thing for League Two and the Championship. If you listen to those, you'll work out which order we did it in because we get steadily more oiled as we go through. Wherever you listen to this, you can find the Championship and League 2 either side of it. We hope you're enjoying these. Happy Christmas. We love you. Thank you. And keep listening.